We've been in there for a few weeks, and I won't keep you long, I promise. We want to look at Mark chapter 4 today. If you have a Bible or you use a smart device like an iPhone or a tablet, if you have the Bible app, you can follow along with our message right there in the Bible app as well. We encourage you to do that because we believe that God's Word is helpful, and that's what we try to make it here at Neighborhood Church is helpful. Well, in the Gospel of Mark, it mostly focuses on what Jesus did, on his action. But now in chapter 4, it takes a pretty good amount of time to focus on what Jesus was talking about, how he was teaching the crowds that were gathered. And I wish that we could approach this parable like the crowd that day for the very first time. Because some of you have already heard this parable before. Maybe you've heard it lots of times. You grew up in the church. You made, even you made crafts in Sunday school about this parable. And the problem is it's become so familiar that we kind of lose the wonder of what it's saying. Because I mean, know that sometimes when something becomes more familiar, we begin to treat it less importantly because it's just like, it's just there. So I want us to try our best to unremember anything about this parable and approach it right now with fresh eyes as though this was the very first time you were ever hearing this parable. Because as we listen to the words of Jesus, he's going to challenge us today that we need to cultivate the soil of your soul. Cultivate the soil of your soul. In Mark chapter 4, he begins it. I know you heard it already, but I want to just kind of briefly read it, unpack it. So again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. This lake would have been the Sea of Galilee where he started his ministry, where he called followers, where the disciples had fished. This was a very common location. And it, it, it calls it a lake, but it's also called the Sea of Galilee, same body of water. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. So what happened here, how many of you been to like a packed out stadium before for a concert or a game? That's the idea. When it says that the, that the crowd was so large, the actual words were they were pressing in on each other. So this wasn't like a handful of people coming to listen to some rabbi who thought he was the son of God. This was a lot of people. For the area he was teaching, this would be thousands of people packed together to hear this teacher teach. And so they gathered outside the lake. He got into a boat while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, and he taught them many things with parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant, so they did not bear grain. Still others, fell, seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So here's Jesus. By this point in time in his ministry, somewhere in the second year of his ministry, public ministry, he has a large following. It's hard for him to go anywhere in public without a crowd pressing around him because he was healing people. He was raising people from the dead. He was miraculously feeding multitudes with a small lunch. I mean, he was a miracle worker. So people were coming for all kinds of reasons. In that pressed-in crowd, there were those who were coming because they were curious about Jesus. They, they were wondering who he was. And he talks like he's somebody important. So there was the crowd that was enamored by Jesus, but they really weren't committed to him. They were just kind of checking it all out. 
Among the crowd that day, there were also those who were suspicious of Jesus, who were there to actually find something wrong with him and accuse him. They were called the teachers of the Jewish law. These were religious people who should have embraced Jesus as who he was, but they didn't. And instead, their hardened hearts judged him, and they were looking for a reason to accuse him. And also gathered there, there would have been people who were there for the wrong reasons. They were there to get some free food. They they were there to, to get healed, and that's all they saw was their own needs. Then there were also those that were gathered there who were true followers of Jesus, the disciples. Some he called, and some still followed Jesus, even though they weren't called among the 12. And they were not only curious, they were committed to Jesus. They followed him where, wherever he went. And he, the crowd was so thick that he had to kind of get off the shore and get into a boat, which became a floating stage for him. And he began to teach to this multitude on the hillside. And it's an interesting phrase here because he basically talks about how he is standing on the boat. They're standing on the soil. So it's almost like he's carrying out this parable right now. As he is talking, he's talking to different soils, if you will, that were standing on the shore. Same word that was used was that, soil. So it's almost like a living illustration of what Jesus is talking about. And he taught them in parables. Well, what is a parable? A parable was actually, the word itself means something that is compared alongside. So for example, Jesus would tell a story like a sower. We went out to sow seed. Everybody in that area understood that. They've seen it. But he also lays alongside of it a spiritual truth that people should be seeing, those with ears that hear. So a parable is a story laid aside a spiritual truth for the purpose of comparing them. And he used lots of parables. But the problem with parables were you didn't always understand them. I mean, if all you heard was just what I read, and that's all you'd heard, you'd kind of go, well, Jesus is talking about being more efficient with how we throw seed around. I mean, that's what you would think. That's Your takeaway would be, this is a great talk for Oregonians. We're all about things growing here in our valley. We're all about agriculture. So thank you, Jesus, that you are an agricultural leader who came to show us how to properly germinate seed. Thank you. That was wonderful. I mean, if that's all they saw, that's all they would have seen. That's all he shared. So it was a bit of a mystery was what a parable was, a bit mysterious. But he began his teaching by saying, listen, And I think I probably should start each sermon with saying, listen, because the reason he was saying, listen, was because the word actually means to hear and to do something about it. A lot of people come to church and guess what? You hear, you walk out of here, you don't remember what I said. And I understand maybe sometimes that happens, I get it, because our minds are busy with other stuff, we're thinking about lunch, we're thinking about people coming over or whatever, but he says, listen. Listen for the purpose of actually hearing and then doing what I'm talking about today. So he begins with that caution. And listen, because I'm going to tell you something that you may not understand. And then he launches into this parable. A farmer went out to sow seed. Now, this would be very, in fact, there could have been a guy sowing seed even while this was happening up on the shore somewhere. Because they would, anywhere there was dirt, there'd be people trying to harvest some grain on that dirt. And so... He said, there was a man sowing seed, and as he scattered, because that's how they sowed seed back in the day, they would have a bag, and they would have, uh, they would just fill it up in their hands, and they would scatter it by hand. And sometimes in the scattering process, the seed would go wherever the wind or gravity took it, and sometimes it would fall on rocky places, sometimes it would fall on a path, sometimes it would fall among thorns or weeds, because the point was, I'm going to sow generously 
so I can reap generously. So they weren't real stingy with where they put the seed, and sometimes you could almost say they were a bit careless because seed just kind of went wherever it went. And it said, as it was being scattered, some fell along the path. Now, in that day, paths would often go right through the middle of farming areas. So you'd have these parts that were well-worn, packed down by people treading upon it, and that was kind of those hardened places. And as the seed would land on the hardened places, they were going to be eaten by birds because birds were everywhere. And when the birds would see grain, they would swoop down and eat the grain that was plated for them nicely on the hard path, and they would eat it. He said some of it fell on rocky places. Now, in in Galilee, a lot of the area, there was like a skin of dirt, and then there was shale or limestone. So it would have the appearance of being a nice area to plant, but there wasn't much depth to it. And what happens is that shallow piece of dirt gets a lot of water, It's very hydrated, and as the sun comes up, that hydrated dirt becomes warm. And if you put a seed in warm, moist dirt, it's like a greenhouse effect. That thing's going to grow like crazy quickly. But guess what happens when the sun gets too hot and there's no moisture? That little bit of moisture in that soil dries out, and that plant is left to die, to be scorched, because it has no root to go find another source of water. It has no root, so it dies. He says some of it fell among the thorns. Lots of weeds and thorns were in the areas, and and as those seeds would fall in among the ungerminated weeds, have you ever seen how weeds grow like really healthy? Why is it that here in America, or at least in Oregon, weeds grow great, grass, you have to like work at it? Why can't that just be backwards? Like we got to actually try to get weeds to grow rather than trying to get our grass to grow. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that interesting? Anyway, the reason for that is because weeds are very hardy and their roots go down deep and they are very strong. And you put weeds among a healthy plant, the weeds are going to suck up the nourishment that those plants need and it will choke out that plant. That's what was happening. If you put a nice flower between two big weeds, the flower's not going to fare well. It's combating with those weeds. And he said, so it's going to choke out the growth of that plant. And then finally, we actually have good soil. So three bad examples and one good. And the good soil was basically productive. It actually produced a harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold. That would be talking about probably grain. And on the heads of grain, there would be more seed. And there would be 30 or 60, or maybe even if it was a bountiful, 100 seeds on that one plant that would grow. So it was this idea of being fruitful for the purpose of being reproduced, right? So wonderful picture. Thank you, Jesus. We know now how to plant our seeds. So the problem was the disciples didn't even understand it. And the reason that parables were often shared was so that people would lean in and want to pay more attention to what's really being said. But nobody seemed to get it, not even the disciples. So we see the story continue on to verse 10. It says that when he was alone... The 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. They weren't going to ask in public. They didn't want to be like, like they looked stupid, right? They probably amened right along with Jesus when he was preaching. That's right. Tell them about that sower, Jesus, that seed. Amen. And later they're like, what in the world are you talking about? I don't get any of this. And that's what happened. They didn't get it. And so they came to him. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but not perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, Jesus is quoting from a prophet named Isaiah. 
Now, if you know Bible history, Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he was a prophet to the nation of Israel who at that time had totally turned their backs on God. They were to be a people who worshiped God only, and they began to worship other gods of the nations around them to the point where they were ignoring God. And so God had raised up one more prophet, Isaiah, to speak to the people. But by that point, he knew the hearts of the people were hard, and they weren't going to listen. Here's here's what comes from Isaiah 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, this being Isaiah, Here I am. And so he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their ears, see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. It almost sounds like God doesn't want to see them saved. But what God is speaking through is is, it's judgment on their hearts right now. They are hard and calloused. Even if you preached Isaiah, they won't listen. Even if you did demonstrations of your message, they wouldn't see it. They won't perceive it because their hearts are hard. It was an indictment against the nation of Israel because they'd grown callous toward God. It's the same indictment now upon a group of people that Jesus was talking to today. Those that were there that were suspicious and wanted to judge him. They said, their hearts are hard. Their hearts are hard, and so they will not listen to what I have to say. It was kind of like Jesus was saying to them, they will never perceive. They hear, but they're never going to understand. They would have to repent and be forgiven, but their hardened hearts won't let him do that. And maybe you know somebody like that who is so dead set against God that you keep praying, but it looks like hopeless for them. But you keep praying, but their hearts are hard. Their hearts are hard. That's really hard to say. It's a tongue twister. So the disciples, though, aren't those people. Their hearts are open. And so they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you got to help us here. We're fishermen. We don't do seed. I mean, help us understand, what are you talking about here? And so in verse 13 of chapter 4, Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Otherwise, don't you get it? How then will you understand any parable? Because he's going to use a lot of them in his teaching. So the hard part here is that parables are not exactly straightforward illustrations. Oftentimes when a teacher teaches, he will tell you a truth, and then he'll use an illustration to back up the truth. Parables weren't like that. Parables were a story, and inside the story, for those who would see it, was the truth. But you had to have an open heart and an open mind to see the truth. That's why Jesus said, listen, don't just look. Don't just hear, but really try to perceive what it is that I'm saying to you. And so parables were a bit like a riddle. You ever been given a riddle before and you're trying to figure out the riddle and then finally you beg a friend to give you a hint? Because the riddle doesn't make any sense without this hint. Because in the crowd that day, there'd be all kinds of people who unless they had the key of what this parable meant, they would, t- they would walk away from that talk with a different thing. In fact, there could have been a farmer listening that day who walked away, because remember, all that Jesus told them was the parable. That's all they had. They didn't get the answer. They didn't get the key. They heard the parable. So what if you were there and you were a farmer? So you're thinking to yourself, okay, so what Jesus is saying is that I need to be more careful in the way that I cast my seed, so I guess I'm wasting an awful lot of seeds, so I need to be better at casting seed. Okay, thank you, Jesus. That's helpful. If in the crowd that day there were politicians, they would think, okay, 
So I can see that we need to begin to do a better job educating the farming community. So part of my political campaign will be to establish a farming program that will help them become better at farming, cut the waste, and certainly I will be reelected, right? Or there could have been the newspaper journalist among the crowd that day. He said, so what you're telling me, Jesus, is there's a really big story here about a bird problem that we're having in our area. So I need to write a whole series of articles about the problem we're having with birds today and how we need to control the birds better. That could have been a takeaway. That's all they heard, right? Finally, there could have been the the salesman who thought, okay, so he's encouraging me to, to, to get more aggressive in my fertilizer sales and farming equipment sales, if I can just get better at helping farmers plant their seed more productively, then maybe that's what Jesus is trying to say. Anybody who walked away from that parable, they wouldn't have had the key. You cannot make sense of the parable without the key. In fact, if you miss the key, you miss the whole parable. Some of you are going, okay, so great, Kelly, what's the key? What was the point of this parable? Well, if you think the point was love, it'd make a great story. Generously cast love. Be careful where you put your love, you know. But love people, it could be a great little feel-good story that Oprah would feature on one of her shows. If you could make it about uh, money, be careful how you spend your money sometimes. You You could make a great pitch and talk about better finances, but it wasn't about money. What was the key? He gives it to us in verse 14. The farmer sows the word. There's the key. So to solve this parable, we have to understand that it's not about the seeds and it's not about agriculture. Really, it's about the word of God. And Jesus was sowing the word from that boat onto the shore, which was onto the soils of people's hearts. And as he was teaching, there were some even listening to him right then whose hearts were hard and the word would not penetrate So Jesus gives the answer. Some people like to see it along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes along because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on the good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. So here we have the answer. The answer is that the seed is the gospel truth. The seed is what Jesus is talking about. And the soils, again, then describe the ways that people respond to that gospel truth. And there were the Jewish leaders Teachers of the law who were hard in their hearts, they were calloused, they weren't going to believe Jesus no matter how much he taught, they still were willing to crucify him just a year later. It wasn't getting through to their hearts, and so that word was being snatched up by the enemy and not penetrating their hearts. There was also those who were just enamored by Jesus but not committed, and they were the ones that were like the rocky soil. Yo, Adrian, right? The rocky soil, and it was their hearts, and the reason their hearts were rocky was because they were shallow. Maybe you've known somebody who's been shallow. They were excited about the faith in Jesus, and they really grew quickly. But next thing you know, like next week, they're already walking away from it because persecution came or, or somebody was making a big deal about 
what it means to follow Jesus and how can you believe that kind of thing and they fall under the pressure of persecution or sometimes just bad stuff happens. And you go, I thought Jesus was a good guy. Why is bad stuff happening in my life? And so, because there's no root, it withers and dies. And maybe some of you have been there already in your journey of faith. Maybe you're there right now. You feel like you're on shallow soil and you wish you would grow deeper. But if you don't grow deeper, there's a chance that your faith is going to die. Then there were those who were like the seed planted among the thorns. And some of you have deep roots of weed within your life. You've got unforgiveness. You've got addiction to issues that are sinful in your life. You've got attitudes that run deep in your heart, and it makes it hard for that word to grow because those roots are sapping all the strength and energy the word of God needs within you to be productive. That was the crowd he was talking to that day. Those that were overwhelmed by the worries of this life, by wealth and pursuit of of riches rather than the pursuit of the gospel. And then finally, there was the good soil. And those were the hearts of those who earnestly wanted to learn from Jesus, like the disciples. So we see all of these different kinds. And the bottom line that Jesus is saying is basically this. What kind of soil are you? And I would ask us all the same question today, as I've had to answer this question myself this week, getting ready for this message. What kind of soil am I? Because if I don't pay attention to this, the soil of my soul, then I I may not be what Jesus wants me to be. I may not be in the place where I can grow deeper and become more effective. So what kind of soil are you? And so the challenge today as we wrap it up is this. Cultivate the soil of your soul so the word of God bears fruit in your life. Cultivate. That means you have to take intention. You know, farmers don't just cast seed and go, I hope it grows. In the biblical culture, at the time of which Jesus shared this parable, people would cast seed, and then they would plow the seed into the soil. They'd have to intentionally work with it. How many times do you not even intentionally think about the soil of your soul? How am I cultivating growth in my life? Maybe you're here today, and it's wonderful, but do you cultivate throughout the week? So how do we do that? There's four things, and we'll wrap it up. Break up the hardened ground is the first one. Some of you today, you're here, your hearts, your hearts are hard against the things of God. The good news is the Holy Spirit still can work in your life. You ever worked hard ground before? Really dry, hard ground? Maybe you had to kind of get a pickaxe at it and kind of work at it until it became more pliable, more workable. Some of you today, guess what? The work of the Holy Spirit over your heart is not going to feel great. You're going to feel conviction and wonder, what's this all about? I thought there wasn't any condemnation with God. Well, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and he pricks into our heart and it's like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Just like beating up hard ground doesn't feel good. But allow that hardened ground to become softened by the work of the Holy Spirit, which happens right now under the preaching of God's word. Secondly, break through the obstacles. Some of you have shallowness because there's a rock level right there. And it's time to break through the obstacles. Time to press through and say, God, help me. By the Holy Spirit, will you begin to press through these shallow areas of my life where I have been giving up, where I have not been willing to grow, where the roots haven't been able to go deeper in my heart because I'm just not that committed to you right now. Maybe it's a prayer of commitment to him. God, help me to grow deeper. Thirdly, weed out the the competition. There are things competing for your soul today. There are things competing for your soul. In fact, the Bible tells us later, Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose its soul? In other words, there are things vying for your soul right now. 
Maybe that attention is your pursuit of wealth, pleasure, happiness, whatever it might be that's competing with the Word of God growing in you. Or maybe it's something more simple, like you just don't have time to read the Bible for yourself, to grow to know God better. You don't take time to pray to talk to Him, to know Him better. Because there's other stuff competing for your time. I'm busy. You just don't understand, Kelly. I'm pretty busy. I'm pretty busy. I understand busy. But I carve out time each day to be in the Word of God because it's important to me to help me to grow. I weed out the competitors. I want to just sleep in today. I'm tired. I weed out the competitors so I can grow. Number four, let the Word take root and bear fruit. This is the bottom line. Jesus was preaching to a point, and the point was cultivate the soil of your soul. Why? So you'll bear fruit. The end game isn't like, oh, look, there's a sprout. Yay, little sprout. So glad to see you. The point was it would bear fruit. In other words, Jesus is commissioning us as his followers to grow for the purpose of helping somebody else grow. That in our life, there should be evidence of spiritual growth. The Bible calls it fruit. In fact, there's fruit that we should be demonstrating in our life, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians talks about love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness. Those are things that should be evident in our life, but there's also the fruit of me, a follower of Jesus, talking about who Jesus is as somebody else. Because there's somebody you care about deeply that doesn't know Jesus like you do. And we're called, as part of bearing fruit, to share that good news with somebody else. So we have a Fruit that's productive, that produces other. You know, that it's interesting, within one seed is the potential thousands of seeds. Isn't that true? Everything we plant, it produces its own. For the most part, it produces its own ability to reproduce the seeds. That's why right now in my front flower bed, I've got from one tree, from one tree that's not even in my backyard, in my neighbor's backyard, from one tree that blows all these seeds onto my roof that works its way down through the gutter system and then eventually blows out onto my front flower bed, I have little trees trying to grow, hundreds of them, from one tree that came from one seed. Friends, there are people that Jesus wants you to share the good news with. From your one seed of the word of truth that touched your heart, I think of people like Billy Graham who have, to his name, probably millions of people who have put their faith in Jesus. One seed. I believe that in a room like this, with these people gathered here, your one seed of truth could touch thousands. Don't underestimate who you are in Jesus. You have the ability, with God's help, to share the good news and be fruitful. So cultivate the soil of your soul. Why? So the word of God will bear fruit in your life, not only in how you treat other people. Christians should not be meanies. If you're a mean Christian, stop it. You're being a bad poster child for the work of God. Just knock it off. It's his compassion and his kindness that brings people to repentance. So cultivate the soil of your soul. Let's pray about that right now. God, you know what's going on in our hearts. As we gather in this room right here, there are people who are like these different soils. We've all been there. I've been in my own life, that place where my heart was hardened to the things of God. And you had to bust in by the power of the Holy Spirit to cultivate the soil of my soul. 
There were times in my life was where, well, I was shallow, where it was good just to go to church on Sunday and act like everything was good, but my life was shallow because your root was not taking a hold deeper in my life. So when my friends would tease me or pressure me, I would give in to that, and I would sin with them because I was shallow. There have been times in my life, Lord, where you've shown me there are weeds that grow deep into my heart that you've had to go in and by the power of the Holy Spirit help me to deal with in my own heart so your root of the truth could grow deeper. So, Lord, I pray each of us would examine where we've been, where we are right now. Because you want us, Lord, to be productive for you. To share this great message that you preached that day on the shores of that lake, we can share today through our own lives, being examples of your love, of your compassion, of your grace, of your truth to those that we care about to bear the fruit you're looking for. Others that we're burdened for that will come to know you and also grow and bear fruit. So God, I pray you challenge us today. Some of us have been content to be little sprouts for Jesus, and that's not what you're looking for. You want growth, yes, but you want fruit. So help us to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to work over our hearts, to grow for you, to be all that you've designed for us to be, for your kingdom purpose, we pray. Before we end, if you're here today and you're saying, Kelly, I'm maybe kind of like that hardened soil, and I need to allow the Holy Spirit to break up my heart today. I want to receive truth. My life has not been working the way I've been handling it right now. Listen, it can happen for you today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here and saying, Kelly, that's, that's me. Will you pray with me today? I feel like my heart is a bit hard against the things of God, but I, I've been hearing you talk about God's love for me, and I want to embrace that today. Maybe just raise a hand if that's you. Just say, yeah, pray with me, Kelly. That's, that's me today. Thank you. Anybody else? Just pray for me, Kelly. That's me. I don't want to miss anybody. Anybody else? Thanks. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord, you know. Even those that aren't ready to raise their hand yet, you know. And God, you still love them. You've got plans for them beyond their wildest imagination. But God, right now, I, I pray that we would be the people, each of us in this room, who would be willing to just pray like those that raise their hand. God, I invite you into my life. I need you to break up the hardened calluses around my heart. I want to know you better. Thank you for forgiving me for my hard-hearted ways, for living contrary to you. Thank you for hearing my prayer and, and forgiving me today. And I want to grow to know you better. So I ask for Holy Spirit to help me to grow to know you. For others, you know there are other things competing with your heart today. If you're here in St. Kelly, there are things that are robbing this growth that God wants to do in my life. There are issues that I'm dealing with that are robbing that growth. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, just raise a hand and say, Kelly, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, you know right now what's going on. You know the competitors. You know the things that are pressing for our attention 
Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's sexual sin, promiscuity, drug abuse. Maybe it's just a, just a, 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 a mind bent toward the things that are of the sin nature and not the things of God. Lord, today, would you just remove those from our life? And in place of those, let the root of your word grow deep in our hearts to know you better. Thank you that through the cross, Jesus, you've made it possible for us to be forgiven and set free from those. And we have to walk in that victory every day. We pray that today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One more. For those of you that are here, you're like the shallows spaces where you know that you're very shallow. And maybe you're about to walk away from your faith because it just doesn't seem like you're going very far with this Bible thing or this Jesus thing and you're just ready to walk away from it. Or maybe you just know you got to grow deeper because you just have been immature as a follower of Jesus. And it's time to grow deeper. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. Just raise a hand and say, Kelly, will you pray with me today? I, I feel like that's where I resonate. I'm just shallow. I just don't care. I have apathy in my heart to go any deeper than just a surface Christian life. Let's pray. Father, right now, you know, even under the sound of my voice, those that need to respond to this, they've been shallow. They've let religion work for them in the ways that it can work for them, but yet they've wanted to hold on to their own spaces. I pray you'd break through that today, Jesus. We need to respond to you with hearts that are willing to grow deeper. So press through the barriers, Lord, in Jesus' name.